Only on a Sunday, a podcast about more than church. churches risking everything for the mission. We have retreated. We have retreated into our nice big buildings where we sit in our nice cushioned pews and chairs where we are insulated and isolated from the inner cities and the spiritual lostness of the world where we've given a tip of our hats to world missions and evangelism as an optional program for the faithful few while we go on designing endless, endless programs that revolve around us. And when we should be on the firing lines for God, when our people should be on the firing lines for God, most of them are still in the nurseries of our churches drinking spiritual milk. With the mammoth needs of a world without Christ in front of us. And the glory of Christ in us. And we faced two options. We can retreat from this mission into a land of religious formalism and wasted opportunity. Or we can risk everything to fulfill the divine purpose for which we have been created. And I say, let's risk it all. For the sake of a billion people who haven't heard his name, I say, let's risk it all. For the sake of millions in our country who are headed to a Christless eternity, I say let's risk it all. For the sake of the lost people you and I know in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, let's risk it all. For the sake of our lives, our families, our churches, our children's lives, let's risk it all. Because ladies and gentlemen, let me remind you, the author of Hebrews is saying very clearly that Jesus is in the dirty places and he's in the dangerous places and he's in the despised places. That's where he is. You go to him, you follow him, that's where you go, outside the camp. You don't sit back in comfort. You go to the need. That's dying to comfort. It's dying to self. It's dying in our devotion. We are aliens and strangers on this earth, and we are looking for another country, a country that is not our own. And God is not ashamed to be called our God, because He has prepared a city for us. And we will suffer disgraces for the sake of Christ, because we are looking ahead to our reward. You go to the dirty and the despised and the dangerous, because you're convinced that the glory of Christ is worth it. Are we going to die in our religion? Or are we going to die in our devotion? Hello and welcome to Only on a Sunday. My name is Kristen Lowry and I am joined by my husband, Daniel. Hello. This season, yes, season three, we are back. Season three. Yes. We made it. We made it. Uh, We are back and we're focusing on stories from the field. We are speaking with practitioners of mission and gospel movement around the world. So what do you think, honey? Did you think we'd ever get to a third season? Well, I didn't think there'd be a season one. (laughs) 
to be honest with you, I never, I never thought about doing a podcast. Um, well, that's not true. I always thought about doing a podcast, but I figured it would just be me preaching, you know, because I was mm. pastor local church. That's mm-hmm. just kind of what you think. So interviewing people and hearing stories is nowhere in my thought process to be sure. And I, I got to be honest, we're, we're recording this as kind of mm-hmm. one of the last episodes. Mm-hmm. You'll hear it as the first episode, but we've recorded all of our guests already. And I am so excited it's so good. Like the stories are just amazing. Just amazing. Uh, of what God is doing. And let me just encourage you all. You may not like Kristen and all, uh, and I. Well, I'm pretty sure you like Kristen. She's <laughs> she's pretty great. You may not like me. Um, that's pretty standard. Uh, You're, but no, these, everybody these, loves you. <laughs> these guests that we have, their mm. stories are fabulous. Mm-hmm. And that's really what season three is about. We just wanted to bring people on. That mm-hmm. gospel movement is happening in their local context, and we yeah. just wanted for you all to hear what mm-hmm. Jesus is doing. Yeah, because so often gospel movement is just a good idea, right? We just right. want to, you know, let's see the Great Commission go, but it's actually happening. Yeah, and I think too, from our experience as local church pastors and church goers, I didn't really hear about gospel movement. Now I heard about it when it came to like maybe the underground church in China and maybe the underground movement in the Middle East. But in terms of watching, seeing God actually move, like beyond just showing up at church on a Sunday and singing the songs, but I didn't hear those things happening. And so getting to talk to these people this season has been very encouraging for us, I think. And we're really hoping that it encourages you, whoever's listening. I encourages you too that God is alive and well and he's wanting to move where you are. Yeah, I mean these things that we hear happening in, you know, quote other places are actually happening here. It's just under the radar, right? Yeah. Um because those are not the metrics that we value, which kind of mm. we'll get to that mm-hmm. get to that later and they're being done by Everyday people. Correct. Um, A number of the people that we have on our podcast are business owners. Mm -hmm. You know, they're employees, they're mothers, they're fathers. They're not necessarily... They're not professional, right? Professional clergy, seminary, mm-hmm. you know, licensed, ordained ministers. There are some, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people. And so we're hoping that this season will encourage, inspire, mm-hmm. motivate people to say, hey, why not me? Yeah. Right? To say, Lord, what, what do you want to do through me? And I, I was um, doing a little something earlier in the week, and I think it was Thursday for the Casey underground. And one of the things I mentioned is like just having a posture like Isaiah, like Abraham, like Moses, here I am, Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, who will go for us? Here I am. And so that's our hope for all of you, that that would also be your prayer. I just have to say we must be married for a really long time because I was going to say, here I am, Lord, send me. So okay. that just shows mm-hmm. you it's been too long, dear. <laughs> yeah, well, I agree on the too long part. <laughs> No, seriously, I was just going to say it, and then you said it. Whatever, man. Okay. So we like to open our episodes with some kind of funny ministry story. Yes, we do. If you guys know us, if anybody knows us, you know we really do love humor, and we really try to keep things lighthearted whenever possible, right? We'll keep the serious things serious, but everything else, 
let's have a laugh, right? Yeah, that's the only way we've gotten through 15 years of marriage. I mean, let's be honest. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's a great coping mechanism. Super it healthy. Is. Anyway, <laughs> so we wanted to share a funny ministry story. So we, every year when we pastored, we had, we'd started doing kind of for New Year's, we would do a New Year's Eve service and we called it prayer and prophecy night. And really it was just a time to help our congregation, maybe recenter, focus on maybe the Lord gave us a vision for the year, what we wanted to focus on. And this one particular year, we had really felt strongly that we were supposed to be sitting on a hill, light to the world. And so we were kind of launching the new year. It's New Year's Eve. And I think it was New Year's Eve, whatever. It was a launch thing. And Dan really, really loves doing object lessons. So every time we had one of these kind of prevailing words at our church, he would get a little object thing to go along with it. So we gave out sailor's caps when we were setting sail. We gave out keychains that had what were the keychains? Anyway, we would give out these little things to represent the word and the direction our church was headed. So this year, being a sitting on a hill light to the world, Dan was like, oh, you guys, you know in Rapunzel, the movie, where all those lanterns are getting lit and filling the sky with light? That's so, let's do that. Come on, he, that is the best <laughs> Disney princess movie. Don't right? oh yeah, without like, without a doubt, far. it's Tangled, my favorite. Like, Tangled by far wins the day, absolutely, and it's a beautiful, breathtaking scene. Yeah, completely underrated movie. Okay, I never thought I would say this, but I have two girls now, so yeah, that's a rockin' princess movie. Yeah, that's right. It's it's yes. your official. It's your it's your dad recommendation. That's it. Yep. Start there. <laughs> Start there. So mm-hmm. anyway. We got these, you know, paper lanterns that you light on fire to get them to float. There's a little inner ring that's flammable. You light it and the heat, you know, creates liftoff. So we've got, I don't know, 50 people outside with these lanterns and people are starting to light things up with well, matches. Let me, let me, can I jump in at this point? Sure. So we're, we're, we're out on the tennis course that we have at our old facility. And these people are like, you know, 50 people that are like, yeah, we want to get out mm-hmm. into mission, into the world, get out mm-hmm. of our four walls. You know, we want to mm-hmm. see, uh, you know, city transformation. So like, it's a, it's a profound moment in the life of a church where you have that many people who are like, yeah yeah, let's do this. You know, the number of people in the congregation weren't there, but you know, that's what it mm-hmm, is. And mm-hmm. then I should have known that there was going to be a problem the moment I ordered them from Amazon. <laughs> I oh, should have known. So anyway, we had a little, uh-huh. um, Houston, we have a problem moment. So Kristen, do you want to? So anyway, not all of them are filling up. So like the little paper part comes all the way smushed, folded down, and you're supposed to like unfold it to create a hot air balloon type of situation. And that's just not happening. And so you, you had to, oh my gosh, you had to hold the paper at the top and shake it out and try to get it unfold. And then someone else had to light it on fire while you were holding it. And then hold it long enough to get it to float and heat up and float, but not long enough that you burned your hand. 
So it was really great. And you also gave the kids one because you wanted them to be involved. And so that was a really good idea. But anyway, we're in the middle of fire country. California wildfires. Yep. So we finally get a few of these off the ground. And 20 feet off the ground, they just, boom. I mean, burst into flames. ignition. Oh, my they gosh. just burst into flames. And at this point, it's just this ball of fire floating through the air. And everyone's like, ah, screaming and look out and move out of the way. And we're just hoping that they land on the tennis courts and not like in the brush. And they did not. <laughs> and they did not. The problem, you know, the biggest problem was we had like 20 going up. <laughs> but people were so focused on getting their lanterns lit. Yeah. That even though there's 20 balls of fire in the air, people still keep <laughs> like keep lifting them off. So we've got 50 lanterns and I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do, right? They're so point, high up there. Yeah. It's not like you can it's, pull a string and bring them down or shoot nope. water on them. So we're just watching these float into our neighbor's yards, into the apartment <laughs> complex down the street, yeah. into the street where cars oh are driving. Gosh, oh, was, yeah. That was a that was that a fail. Was, that was a fail. Thankfully, we should just follow it up. Nothing actually happened. The fire burned itself out before anything drastic happened. But yes, we definitely learned our lesson. Those tangled lantern steer are animated. Well, yeah, I should have thought of that. There was no physics involved, right? No. It said it worked on Amazon. So <laughs> all the reviews, right? I mean, it was like two and a half stars, right? Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, we should get into it. All right, let's do it. So we're here today to talk about the SCB Underground. Our endeavor, our mission endeavor, we, I think it's taken us a full year, right, honey, to really kind of explore, seek the Lord, pray, and figure out what is it that we're doing. Yeah. And so since it's been a year since we started the podcast, we thought we would kind of revisit what is it we're doing. Yeah, you know, I was having this conversation with someone yesterday over lunch, and I was telling them when we first transitioned from, you know, senior pastors, I think we really were just moving in the idea that, like, well, we're just going to go down the street and mm -hmm. just keep doing what we're doing, right? Yeah. And that's just kind of how we, we went. And, you know, the Lord put a stop to that. COVID mm -hmm. definitely put a stop mm -hmm. to that. And so, yeah, for the last year, it's really been like, is that really what we want to do? And not so much like, is that really what we want to do? But just changing our frame of reference into, Lord, what, mm -hmm. what are you asking us to do? Mm -hmm. Right? We just want to listen. So we spend a lot of time listening. Mm. Some people would call what we were doing inactivity. Sure. Right. And that's really hard for us Americans and us, you know, Western churchgoers. Mm. And so just really seeking the Lord, what do you want us to do? And I, and I remember we were sitting in bed one evening and we were watching the Tampa Underground mm. documentary. Mm -hmm. And so for anyone that really wants to be excited and motivated, mm -hmm. just do a Google search for Tampa Underground documentary. It's about a 30-minute yeah. thing. It's like Netflix quality, mm -hmm. and it will just inspire you to no end. And so we were watching that, and I remember just starting to, to tear up, thinking like, that's what I want to do. Mm. I, I don't want to go back to normal 
church life. I, mm. I want to do something that has the power of the gospel in it. Mm. And that's not to say that the local church doesn't have the power of the gospel. I guess what I mean is to say that like has the potential to fulfill the Great Commission. Yeah. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. And so then going down that that path of like, what would it look like to do something like that in Santa Clarita, to do something mm-hmm. radically different, not for different sake. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people out here in our town that mm-hmm. just want to do different because it's different. We don't like the local church. Like that's mm-hmm. not us. We're more like, Jesus, what are you asking us to do? We mm-hmm. just want to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Not because everybody else is wrong. Yeah. And I think it's not that the Holy Spirit isn't present at your local church or whatever it was that you said a little while back. I think it's more that having been leaders of a local church for 15 years, I think we can say better than anyone that at the end of the day, even though your heart is really, Lord, we want to see your spirit move here. Your reality is I have 45 minutes to get these people We've got to do a worship time. We've got to do an offering. We have to do announcements. And we have to do a sermon. And I have this amount of time to do it, right? Maybe 90 minutes if you're a little more old-fashioned and Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just reality. Is your local church, it's not that our hearts aren't longing to see God move, but the framework mm. in which it exists is an organization that is limited by time and resources and your members who show up have an expectation of what's going to happen that day. And so to really, I think if you, we were really to see the spirit move (laughs) in that context, people would flee. Yeah. I think our heart really is not to kind of be a, an alternative Mm -hmm. to the local church necessarily but to be another expression mm-hmm. of what God is doing in our city mm-hmm. and where we can to partner with the local church. Yeah. Right. Like, we, you know, we both have similar goals. You know, I, I can tell you, I know, I know most of the guys in our town. I know pastors all throughout, you know, church leaders all mm-hmm. throughout the country. A lot of people from the world and they're the best well-intentioned people that you've ever met. And mm-hmm. they really, truly have a heart to see life transformation happen. It's just the unfortunate reality that there are so many structures and, you know, kind of transactional relationships that often time frustrate that. Yeah. Right. Sometimes through no fault of their own, other times because of decisions that we've made from the leadership positions that we've had. Mm. And so really, we just wanted to come at it, you know, from just kind of a little different perspective, or like I said earlier, maybe Jesus is asking us Mm -hmm. to come at it from a different perspective. And so our hope really is that in working together and partnering together in cheering on our Mm -hmm. brothers and sisters in Christ, even coming in, uh, you know, I was asked by one pastor, hey, you know, when you guys get things going, would you be willing to come in and maybe train our people? Mm -hmm. How exciting, you know, to do that. And please don't come to our thing. You're not allowed, (laughs) you know, like stay at your church, right? That's right. Well, that, yeah, I think that's yeah. a good segue when you said you're not allowed to come to our thing. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so we say that not because you're not allowed, but because our thing, we are intentionally 
structuring what we do very, very differently from, let's say, a church service. So we're not putting on a service for anyone to just attend. But what we are looking to establish, we would say it's more of a missions agency. And our dream is to see gospel saturation in our valley. And so what we mean by that is we want to see a missionary on every street, a microchurch in every neighborhood and relational network so that every woman, man, girl, and boy can see, experience, and hear the gospel. We're not talking about one-off, do you know where you're going after you die? Evangelism. We're talking about relational experiential encounter with the holy and living God. And the verse that was driving us is in Isaiah 52, and it starts, awake, awake, oh, Zion. Oh, put on your strength. See, I was close. Put on your strength, oh, Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, oh, Jerusalem, the holy city, for there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, oh, Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, oh, captive daughter of Zion. And really, the picture we have is awakening God's people into mission so that at least in our town or wherever the Lord puts us right now, it's here where we are, but in our town is awakening believers to get missionaries onto every street. Yeah. I really like that part of the passage uh, where it says, put on your strength, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments. And I really relate that to the people of God. Like, I think maybe there's some understanding because of, you know, quite a bit of teaching that happens in the local church and and good teaching Mm -hmm. of who we are in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. That we are, we are the redeemed, right? Mm -hmm. We are more than conquerors. We are priests, Mm -hmm. right? We are ministers of reconciliation. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. You know, there's so many New Testament metaphors and Old Mm -hmm. Testament metaphors used to describe believers. But, you know, really honestly, does our lifestyle, does our Christian walk reflect that? Mm. And so our hope and our vision is that we would more and more see people put on that strength Mm -hmm. that Jesus has given you, right? Mm -hmm. To put on those beautiful garments. And those beautiful garments are are a reference to Mm. the garments that the priests would wear, Mm. right? So those garments aren't just for a select few. They're for every person that calls upon the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So put on your garments. I don't care if you're passing out bulletins or you're sitting in the back row or you're in the front leading worship. Let's put Mm -hmm. on those garments. And then the other part of it is the last part, which I really like is shake yourself Mm -hmm. from the dust and arise. And when I look out, you know, for 15 years, I look out into the congregation, I Mm -hmm. see the majority of people are just gathering dust. Totally. Yeah. Right. And this is not a, a, a convicting, a judgmental kind of a shame bearing kind of thing. It's a call from our, from our savior, from our Mm -hmm. God saying, Hey, shake off that dust and arise. Yeah. Get to work. Put on your garments, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I have a mission for you. I have Mm -hmm. a field. I'm reminded of Luke 10, right? Where he says, um, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, Mm -hmm. right? Pray to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. And Mm -hmm. those laborers are sitting in the pews. Mm -hmm. 
gathering of, dust. Or in the houses or whatever. They're gathering mm-hmm. dust right now. But I really believe that God is doing something in his church right now mm-hmm. to awaken those believers to new and creative ways of expressing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And then the very last part where it says, loose the bonds from your neck. I really believe that there are so many structures that are in place Mm -hmm. that are like the bonds on the neck of the believer. Mm -hmm. So even though we may mentally say, yes, I'm a priest of the Most High, Mm -hmm. there's so many restricting factors Mm -hmm. that keep us from that, that we really need to do a detox of what Mm -hmm. really church is and what really God has asked us to do. And Mm -hmm. what are we really doing when we're gathering? Yeah. What is it that we're doing? Yeah. So you kind of mentioned it, the priesthood of all believers. So to see this this dream that we have come to life or be a reality where we have gospel saturation in our town, it does require the activation of the people who are in the pews. Like, yes, it's going to require making new believers and new disciples. And that's part of it. And I think in our like episode five or something, we're going to talk about the components of gospel movement and kind of more the nuts and bolts. But it really starts with believers who are ready to get to work harvesting. And so when we say the priest of all believers, it's hearkening back to Martin Luther. And one of the things is that we have direct access to God, right? Versus the Catholic model in the medieval times, middle ages, where you had to go through a priest to get to God. Um, It requires ministry to one another, correct? Yep. And then it requires mission, right? Yeah. So really, you won't find anyone who has any sort of theological understanding that's going to disagree with the priesthood of all believers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You are actually going to find some in your word-centered churches Mm -hmm. who probably have it tattooed somewhere. (laughs) You know, on their body, most people, it seems on their, on their (laughs) forearm, I guess that's like the holy place, right? And you have others Mm -hmm. who actually, you know, some churches actually put it in their statement of faith, right? Mm -hmm. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. Mm -hmm. And two of those three, you see as a normal part of church life, of Christian life. Right. We have access to God. I can pray to him directly. Mm -hmm. I can pray for my brother and sister in Christ, mm-hmm. the way in which we engage in church ministry. And this mm-hmm. is not a problem. But that third part of the priesthood of all believers mm-hmm. in that we are priests and our role is to declare the praises mm-hmm. of our God to mm-hmm. an unbelieving world, that our role is to, you know, in Isaiah 52, if you just go down a couple of verses, it says, you know, beautiful are the feet of the one who preaches glad mm-hmm. tidings, right? Mm-hmm. That word for evangelism there. How beautiful are the feet. Of, yeah. Yeah. It's our role as priests mm-hmm. to be kingdom bearers, mm-hmm. not nice Christians, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Like, I'm just really nice to my barista. And and mission, when we say the word mission, if you're a believer, it kind of has a loaded term. And we actually speak to a couple of our practitioners about, you know, how we grew up with different meanings of the word mission or like the picture we had in our mind when we heard the word missionary. So when we're talking about the priesthood of all believers and, and living on mission or mission as part of that, it means that every believer is a missionary. 
every believer is called to mission, which is spreading the good news of Jesus. And I should say it's every believer. That's our job as believers. And it's, and I think a lot of times we are content with being nice, but we don't intentionally go after those who are lost and captive. I think we're nice to them, but we don't invite them into our life a lot of times. We don't fellowship with them because, you know, they're not like-minded or whatever the reason is, because we tend to just kind of, at least in Western church, we're talking about Western traditional church model. We tend to stick with our friends from Bible study, and we've been in Bible study with them for the last 20 years, and we're just the best of friends. Well, that means there's not room for unbelievers. You know, can you have a conversation with an unbeliever? Do you know how to talk to them in a way that's not weird? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it, it's a challenge. And I myself am totally guilty of this and I'm learning. So, Well, I like what you said about the every believer is a missionary. And then the, you know, kind of working out of that is mm-hmm. every believer has a mission field mm-hmm. that is not somewhere else. Yeah. You already, you know, we, I shouldn't say you, sorry, but we all have mission yeah. fields. Yeah. It's, it's our place of work. Our neighborhood. It's our neighborhood. Yeah. It's our gymnasiums. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the park down the street where we take mm-hmm. our kids. You know, we already have mission fields. They're all mm-hmm. around us. We're already part of those. We're already part of unbelieving relational networks, right? The, yeah. The poker club that I'm a part of, the fishing club, the our soccer stamping, team. whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, all of those things are mission fields. So we're already a part of it. Well, I don't need to go look for a mission field, right? I just need to be aware of my existence. You know, that's kind of really all it is. And so, you know, when we talk about gospel saturation, we're really talking about making sure that the gospel gets to every person. Mm -hmm. We cannot control whether someone responds to the gospel or if you're on probably the other theological side, you know, whether God has chosen them to respond to that. Either way, <laughs> that's out of our hands. Okay, So I think whether you're a Calvinist or an Armenianist, I'm neither. <laughs> Kristen doesn't even know what that is. Oh, so on. like she could care less, oh, right? I don't mean because you're, you're unintelligent, just because you think the whole thing is stupid. I do think it's incredibly <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Anyway. So whatever side you're on, it's something that's out of our control, right? Right. But what we can control is that people see the gospel in action. Yeah. Right? That they hear it in word, that they experience it, right? Yeah. That we can control, right. that we can be a part of. And so that's the idea of gospel saturation. And so when we're coming at this whole paradigm, and Kristen talks about being a mission agency, it's looking at our city in the way that a missionary would look mm-hmm. at it, mm-hmm. right? Not in the way that maybe a church planter would look at it. Right. So a church planter would come into a city and some of the prevailing ideas or mm-hmm. things that are on their mind are they're looking for locations, mm-hmm. right? Where might we have a church body? Where might mm-hmm. we meet? Where might we be able to do events? Mm-hmm. They are 
looking to gather some people to have a worship service, right? Mm -hmm. And then the idea is if you get enough churches, then you might reach a city, right? Mm -hmm. But if you were to look at our city or whatever town, village, city that you live in, if you were to look at it as a missionary would look at it, it would be vastly different. Right. Because a missionary looks at a city and he sees a number of different people groups, possibly a number of different languages, Mm -hmm. a number of different associations. Mm -hmm. And so that missionary, if he's trained well, knows there's no way that I can reach every single Mm -hmm. grouping or type of person. Mm -hmm. There are language barriers, there are economic barriers, there are social barriers. There's a plethora of barriers that's going to keep us from that. And you know, to go back to the church planting, most of the time what happens in church planting is you're just gathering same kind of people. And I think in church planting, I mean, really, you have transfer growth. Well, that's a different conversation. But yeah, you're, you're having transfer growth, right? So a missionary is going to look at how to reach a city from the perspective of mm-hmm. I'm going to reach one tribe, one people group, something like that, or I'm just actually looking for one person that I can train up, that I can send into that group, that language, that tribe, right? That relational network. They call it the person of peace, right? The person of peace or someone who's open and sensitive to Mm -hmm. the gospel. That's that's the way a missionary reaches a city or reaches a country, right? Mm -hmm. By finding those few people, training them to reach the rest. There's two radically different ways of looking at how to bring gospel saturation into community. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say that we look at our city in terms of like a missionary, I'm not meaning to imply that looking at it like a church planter does is wrong or bad or that our way is better. It's just a different way. Correct. And if our hope is that if you have the two and possibly working together, that you can achieve this idea of gospel saturation. Yeah. The other idea behind gospel saturation is that our current evangelistic strategy is insufficient to be able to reach the Great Commission, right? So our current evangelistic strategy mm-hmm. is to invite people to a service. Mm-hmm. Yes? No? Yeah, in traditional yeah. Western church, that is usually evangelical. That's what happens. So you can see this in our town in Easter. There are little mm-hmm. real estate 18 by 24 signs mm-hmm. scattered Everywhere. around people's, <laughs> people's yards, mm-hmm. inviting people to whatever Easter services there is. Now, again, this is not a condemnation. Mm-hmm. This is not a, that's bad. You should take those signs out. Heck, put more up, you know. Great. Let's have a whole bunch of people going. But that's our strategy. So you can do this. If you're listening right now, you can do this in whatever city that you are. You can identify the maximum amount of people that can be reached through this strategy. Mm. Okay. So in our town, there's about 300,000 people surrounding areas, you know, roughly Mm -hmm. 300,000 people. And if you do a simple Google search of of our town, you'll find we have about 40, 50 churches. So then, you know, there's some house Mm -hmm. churches and some different networks. So, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say 60, 65 churches, kind of Mm -hmm. church bodies. 
if you take a look, you know, you add up all of the seating capacity in our area. We have a few very large churches, but you know, the the largest church in our town has a seating capacity of just over a thousand. Hmm. Right? It seems huge, but that's right. really not a lot in well, terms of like to, yeah, the population. The Rose Bowl. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not yeah. it's not a lot for our population. Like even a huge church like Saddleback can only fit about two thousand, right? Yeah. But if you were to add all of the seats okay, mm. in every church in our community, it equates to about 25,000 seats. Mm-hmm. So if you were in our town and you filled every seat in every church twice, now we would consider this an absolute revival. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Like, Look what Jesus is doing. We would have Bethel here. We would have like, you know, Billy Graham would come out of his grave and just be like, way to go, guys. Right. Like we, every pastor in our area would take a vacation to Hawaii because things are going so, so great. Well. Right. Yeah. So well. Every believer would be like, you cannot believe what's happening in our town. If that happened, mm-hmm. we would have 50,000 people in church. Yeah. Okay. We have 300,000 people total. We would not reach 20% of the population. Yeah. And you can do this exercise in any town, in any village, in any city, in the United States Mm. and abroad. There are just simply not enough seats Mm. to fulfill the Great Commission. Mm. Even if you doubled the churches, Mm -hmm. you're still at 100,000. You've barely hit 33%. Mm. Right? There's just not enough seats. So when I say this, I'm not meaning to imply that an evangelistic strategy of invite people to something is wrong or we shouldn't do it. I'm simply saying it's not capable mm-hmm. of fulfilling the Great Commission. It's it's not designed to do that. Yeah. The system is not designed for gospel saturation, which is what we're talking about. And so I think really we can work in tandem with the traditional church model, because I think that's the other thing to distinguish is I don't want to take people away from their churches. I think we said that earlier, maybe, but we'd love to work with people in churches. If that's where they feel God calling them, they feel that pull of, gosh, there's got to be something more I could do. I really want to reach these unsaved people around me. So I think that's an important distinction is we're not looking to have believers leave their church and come to us, but by all means, keep attending your church. In fact, one of like our primary team members, I don't know, the right hand man or whatever, they still go to a church, but they've joined our team because they're super passionate and feel very called to do this and engage unbelievers this way. So what we're doing is hoping to establish more like a hub where we are focused on mobilizing people into the harvest. We're creating new and fresh expressions of the gospel. It doesn't have to be a traditional church like we think about it in our head. And we want to have a hub that equips believers to go out into the field and do the work of the mission. Um, I think you and I have found that we are actually really good at equipping. We just have 
especially you, just have young men fall into your lap, <laughs> begging to well, be equipped. <laughs> I think in our modern age, honey, you probably shouldn't say young men oh. falling into my lap. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't sorry. know that that's, I don't know we that that's politically that correct. Yes. I do not have young men falling in my <laughs> no. lap just in case. Um, and if you're listening to this, I'm being funny right now. So just, yeah. you know, let's calm down. Let's calm down. Um, no, but you know, we've, we've discovered that that is something that we are gifted at. That's how God tends to use us personally. So like when we've described it or our mentor described it a little bit like setting up a catering company instead of a restaurant. You need both because people still want to go eat at a restaurant. It's still a nice experience. And that would be the traditional church if anyone's slow on the uptake. But you really do need catering companies who will take the food to the people in the field. So that resonated with us and we're stealing that from our mentor, but that's kind of the path along which we're running. Yeah. Now, when it comes to people that go to churches and and things like that, we're not proponents of like going to your church, staying at your church, going to this church, like, you know, wherever it is that you feel you experience community the best, do that, right? You do you, boo. Yeah, well, geez, <laughs> definitely editing that out. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awful. That is so aw- A white girl should never say that. That what? is That is like, no, 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 no. My apologies to our audience. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, that was hilarious. That is like, that's just not part of the conversation, right? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's almost like irrelevant to the conversation. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is what we do want to see happen is churches emerge. Yeah. We're not interesting in rotating believers. Right. Right. I used to go to that church and now I go to this church, Mm -hmm. right? We want to see churches emerge from Mm -hmm. the harvest Mm -hmm. as believers are reaching their mission fields, as they're, Mm -hmm. you know, reaching their neighborhoods, that there's no reason that we should take those people back. Churches should form there. Correct. Right. So when you look at the Acts of the Apostle, right, and Paul is sent out from uh, Antioch, right? And he goes out and he does his mission thing, right? Antioch doesn't expect that. Oh, yeah, when those believers come to Christ, now bring them back to Antioch. Right? <laughs> like that's not, that's not, you know, what so happens. So they can tithe. A, yeah, right? So, well, let's not get into that. When, when the missionary goes out and to reach the city mm-hmm. and, you know, and someone else goes out and brings someone to Jesus, the expectation isn't that we're going to bring them back to our mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. No, the expectation is you're going to stay there. Yeah. And you're going to see something And you're going to reach form. your friends. And you're going to reach your friends. So yeah. we would like to see micro churches, house churches, mm. mini churches, mm-hmm. whatever kind of church, traditional churches, Big right? churches. Big churches, yeah. whatever, emerge, but from the harvest. Right. Because a group of believers gathered together and said, we want to work as a team and reach this apartment complex and reach mm-hmm. this high school and reach our neighborhood. And now mm-hmm. we've got 10, 15, 20 people who came to Christ because we showed hospitality and because we prayed and because we did discovery Bible studies and we served in mercy ministries. Mm-hmm. And now we've got this group of people. We need to do something that elicits worship to our God, right? Yeah. Like that's where we would like to see mm-hmm. churches emerge. Yeah. So I think we should probably bring it on home. What do you think? All right, let's do it. All right. So right now, 
with what we're doing and what we've been doing for the last year, we have three missional spaces. Do you want to describe those? Yeah. So as the SCV Underground, our missional spaces currently, as of the date of this recording, are ministry in an apartment complex, the special needs community, and in our own neighborhood. Yeah. And so what we've been doing is spending a lot of time praying Mm -hmm. and listening Mm -hmm. for God, where do you want us to go? Yeah. And the basic idea of this is it's radically different than we're used to in mission, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is that we don't move until the Lord has directed us. Yeah. And we ask the Lord, Lord, reveal to us Mm -hmm. where, where you're already at work. Yeah. Versus when we were pastoring, right? Mm. Most of our missional ideas came out of staff meetings, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. someone somewhere had a good idea or mm-hmm. I went to a conference <laughs> and, yeah. you know, the speaker got me all excited mm-hmm. about something. And then we asked the Lord to bless it. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a different way of doing it, to listen Lord, where where you yeah. are already at work and how can we come in and our job is to simply put out the nets for the harvest because you're already doing you're already doing something. And so that's what we're trying to do in the apartment complexes, in the special needs community, in our neighborhood is simply asking Jesus where do you want us to be and go there. And I think for our listeners, that might be a word of encouragement as well, is to say, Jesus already knows mm-hmm. where your harvest is. Yeah. He's already got a place. Mm-hmm. He's already been working there. Mm-hmm. It's our obligation, our responsibility, but also our privilege mm-hmm. to abide with Christ. Mm-hmm and to allow him to show us those spaces yeah. and to walk into those spaces in the same way that Jesus walked on this earth mm-hmm. and minister to people and share with them the gospel mm-hmm. and meet those needs and see miracles and mm-hmm. see the hand of God working in people's lives and see churches emerge and see lives transformed mm-hmm. and to see cultures transformed for the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is all a possibility for everyone out there. Mm-hmm. You know, something you said earlier, I think in the beginning of the episode was what we've done, it looks like inactivity. But I think it's worth noting that this kind of thing, and you'll hear it from our practitioners that we speak with, is the long game. It's a slow burn. <laughs> it's a slow burn because we really have spent a year praying and developing relationships. Yeah. And just being friends with people, honestly. And that looks like not success compared to traditional church metrics. Well, compared to your traditional idea of outreaches, right? Like, yeah, let's put on a big event. Let's get a whole bunch of people. And somewhere in there, we're going to say something about Jesus and give an altar call. Yeah. And so even though it looks that way, we've really experienced the Lord leading us and guiding us and opening doors in a way that we have not experienced before. 
been very different from the traditional way of doing church that we used to do. But I will say it makes me more excited because I think God is in this because only God could have opened this door. Yeah. It was not my good idea. Right. And I I will say, yeah, definitely. I think that's been our mantra the last year is we want to be a part of something that only Jesus can do. Yeah. Yeah. We want to be a part of something that only Jesus can do. And I think that's probably the heart of people that are listening. Mm -hmm. Right. I just want to be part of something that only Jesus can do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we see in the church is, is, is very. It's what man can do. Yeah, it's what man can do. It's it's what very charismatic people can do. Mm-hmm. And and I'll just I think maybe close with this little bit. It is a slow burn, right? It it does mm-hmm. take time. Mm-hmm. Jesus did nothing for 30 years. <laughs> like you know, Oh, that's a good one. Right? Like his So if we're getting going at year one, like yeah. wow. <laughs> and oh man, we go to these uh these church planting things all the time and it's like, yeah, I started my church in a year. I had two hundred and fifty people. Mm. Uh okay, mm. sure, you know, we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. But it's a slow burn, right? I will say that as of this recording, I counted, I kind of counted. Mm-hmm. We engage more unbelievers on a weekly basis Mm. than we ever did in church ministry. Mm. Now, granted, we weren't a huge church, like grand, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But we engage more people on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. with a path towards bringing the gospel in their lives and discipleship than we ever did pastoring Mm -hmm. a local church. Yeah. Right? So although it's a slow burn, and although the fruit does take longer, the mission field is much wider, mm-hmm. much, much wider, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, hon, All right. tell them about next week's episode. All right. Well, thank you again for listening to Only on a Sunday. As you know, we are missionaries and that we live on support. So if you are interested in supporting us and the work that we do, you can head to the scvunderground.org and give there. We really appreciate any support from our listeners. Uh, Next week, we have the most exciting episode of all, maybe. I don't know. I think I say that about every single one. But we have Chris Marshall joining us, and he is a part of Gospel Movement in the Middle East. So his stories are just next level awesome. God is doing stuff in the Middle East like you can't believe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as of this recording, what's going on in Afghanistan with the U.S. and all that kind of stuff. And I know that there's a lot of believers out there who pray for the Middle East, but it's very rare that we hear these it's very rare that you're going to hear these kinds of stories about what Jesus is doing. It's just awe-inspiring what he's doing. So you do not want to miss that. Yeah, it's going to be great. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.